Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 32, and we're recording on Wednesday, August 15th. I'm Katie McLean, along with Rincey Abraham, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Katie. Hi, Rincey. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Oh, sleepy. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that very well. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, um, well... I'll, we'll get into the explanation of why later in the show, but yeah, I ended up making myself kind of a strong alcoholic beverage before we recorded, and so now it's it's not it's not kicking in in the like in the where I'm feeling silly. I'm just like, oh god, I'm tired. I shouldn't have drank that. <laughs> oh, that's all right. I can stay awake. I promise. It's okay. I'm sure talking about all these fun books will get you excited. Yes, murder. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> all righty. Um, if you are new to the show, welcome. We talk about mysteries and suspense and movie adaptations and true crime and just kind of a little bit of every anything and everything on the show. And as always, um, for if you have been a longtime listener, you know what's coming up. We like to put out a, uh, a thank you to everyone for listening and also... Uh, to let everyone know that we are always soliciting comments, feedback, uh, topics for future shows, uh, reading uh, recommendation questions, um, news items that may have come up that you think are really interesting that we didn't get to. Um, we just we like to continue the conversation after the show ends. So if you have uh, any thoughts on things that we've talked about on the show or topics for upcoming episodes, please do let us know. We will include all of our contact information at the um, at the end of the show. But we always like to mention that up front to get everyone kind of thinking about, you know, something that might be interesting for you guys to listen to. Because I mean, without you guys, without you guys listening, we're just kind of talking into the void. And while that might be fun for us, <laughs> it's not fun for everyone else. So, um, so yeah, just send us any ideas, suggestions, anything along those lines. And we are always delighted to hear them. All right. So to kick things off, uh, we have a handful of news items that we wanted to talk about really quickly. Uh, the first one features our favorite writing duo that we can't seem to stop talking about. <laughs> um, so apparently the president is missing, which uh, is written by James Patterson and Bill Clinton, has sold more than one million copies combined in hardcover ebook and audiobook sales in North America since it came out on June 4th. Um, so apparently a lot of people are picking this book up. Now, f to be fair, I don't know what like typical James Patterson numbers are, but I have a feeling they don't really hit 1 million, maybe over the course of time. But I don't I feel like it's rare to hit that like 1 million mark. Um, apparently, um, according to BookScan, which this article says tracks around 85% of the hardcover and paperback market. The president is missing is the biggest fiction seller so far this year. And it's the only book of fiction to crack the top 10 of the best sellers overall for 2018. Um, so yeah, there's nonfiction has been doing big things, but apparently for fiction, everyone's going for the president is missing, which 
is fine, I suppose. I mean, we did an entire episode talking about that book, so I don't think we need to go into our feelings about it anymore. <laughs> and interesting enough, in that same article, they said um, Bill Clinton, um, they didn't give a number as to how many authors have done this, but he is one of the rare authors to have both a fiction and a nonfiction title that have hit um, 1,000 copies sold. Interesting. Yeah, that'd be an interesting number to see, like, how many authors have actually done that. I was just thinking about that, because I'm like, it would have to, I feel like it would have to be, uh, maybe Stephen King, because Stephen yeah. King has his, like, writing slash memory oh, book. so good. Yeah, so, like, he's probably one of them, because he's Stephen King, and he always sells a bajillion copies, so. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, if any of you guys happen to know, let us know, because we're interested. I know. I probably, yeah, that's, that's a, that would be an interesting like list of people to see. I mean, I suppose like if you, like, I'm wondering, I'm trying to like think of like who are big bestsellers who have done both fiction and nonfiction and there aren't that many that I know of. Yeah. I mean, it would probably be like from like, they'd probably, probably you'd have to include like memoirs in there, which I don't automatically think of as nonfiction, Mm. even though they are, Um, unless you're James Frey, but (laughs) ooh. That's a good 2,000 burn. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Taking it all the way back. Um, but, yeah, so I imagine that there is, or you might have, like, a really popular author that then writes, a, like, fiction author that writes a memoir. That would probably do it. But, uh, yeah, if anyone happens to be looking for a, for a short little research project, hit us up. Or, or, or uh, not so that we can do the research, but so you can tell us. Yes. <laughs> We don't have time to do the research projects. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Um, speaking of book news, which I guess is the entire podcast, but whatever. Um, we, I think we've talked briefly about the podcast My Favorite Murder, um, which I personally have never listened to, but I have a couple of friends that are really into it. And just it just seems like everyone and their mother listens to the podcast except for me. But the hosts, uh, Karen Kilgariff and Georgia Hardstark, are going to be co-writing a book that is set to be released in May of next year. And it actually, like, at first when I heard that, I was thinking, oh, it's going to be like a true crime book. But it's it's really going to focus, um, it's going to be like a big part of it. it's going to be like a co-written memoir about each of their lives and the kind of the experiences and the traumas that they have gone through. They have kind of shaped who they are and have subse- and has subse- subsequently shaped the podcast and what's made it so popular um but they are it says that they are going to be uh diving into some true crime stories um to kind of talk about cultural and societal issues that have a lot of meaning right now um so it's supposed to be a really candid uh frank uh, just a really just you know a really honest book about a lot of different topics about a very complicated subject that a lot of us are interested in, which is this complicated world of true crime and human trauma. Um, so I don't know that the book has um, has a title yet. Um, I oh wait a minute. I guess it's called it might the, the t- working title may be stay sexy and don't get murdered. Interesting. Oh yeah, that's it what just, it looks like. It says Yes, because at the bottom of the article, it says, find more information about Stay Sexy, Don't Get Murdered here. Um, So we're going to go with that as the title. I certainly hope that's the title, because that's fantastic and a great motto to live life by. Um, 
So uh, if you are a murderino and are a big fan of the podcast, um, you can look forward to their book coming out in May of 2019. Yeah, I don't listen to the podcast either, so you're not alone. Um, but again, I have like I have like a decent chunk of friends who all listen to it and they like talk to me about it all the time. I'm just terrible at listening to podcasts, says the podcaster. So <laughs> <laughs> We're too busy making our own podcast. There you go. We'll just go with that. <laughs> All right. Um, and then the next piece of news is, will be a very quick one. Um, it's basically that Lee Daniels has – or sorry, Lee Daniels Entertainment Options, which is Lee Daniels's group, um, has options the spy novel The Spook Who Sat by the Door. Um, and that is for development with Fox 21 Television Studios. Um, so The Spook Who Sat by the Door is a novel by Sam Greenlee. And it's like this 1970s cult classic black exploitation type of thing. Um, there isn't a whole lot of information out there yet, just because, again, it just got optioned. Um, the book was first published in 1969. And I don't. it's described as the first black nationalist novel. So again, I don't, there's not a whole lot of information about like casting, they're still looking for a writer, all of these different things. Um, But it has been optioned. So that's a possible thing that will be coming in the future. All right. And then finally, um, some of you may have may have uh, already heard about this. I know this was coming up a couple times on my Twitter feed. Um, We I think previous in a previous uh, episode, we talked about the uh, Chinese uh, crime author, who killed who killed uh he and an accomplice killed four people like about a little over 20 years ago and then wrote murder novels and kind of used the experience to f- to kind of fuel the writing process for these murder novels um so we talked about that and how he and his accomplice were caught um but the update from a couple weeks ago is that the two of them have been sentenced to death that is the that is the latest update on that um it's they both i think both of the men have said that they are haunted by what they by what they did um and that the 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 murders were were extremely cruel and so there's really not a whole lot of information in the, in the article um other than kind of a recap of what has already been indicated in the press but a uh judgment or a sentencing has been um has been delivered so I'm sure we will get one last update on that when the sentencing actually occurs. Um, th- this just sounds like it's out of a like. Speaking of Stephen King, this feels like it's out of a Stephen King novel where the the uh, crime where the where the mystery author kills people to write you know to to help write his book. Actually, I think there was a movie with Judd Nelson as a creepy guy who like lived in a cabin it wasn't a Stephen King adaptation or anything but he killed people and then like kept them at the bottom of the lake that the cabin was on as like his like weird garden that he would tend to on a daily basis he'd like don scuba gear and tend to his garden and then he'd use it that to like break his writer's block or something like that i don't remember the name of it i think it's called cabin by the lake actually (laughs) now that i think about it um and i'm about 99 percent sure that this is a real thing and not something i just made up um but it i mean in this in this actual real case they didn't commit the murders so that they could write uh murder novel or mystery novels it just kind of ended up happening that way but um 
If you have uh, been keep, been keeping up with that or have been interested to hear more, that is the latest news. And if there's anything else that comes out, we will pass it along because this this story is definitely bizarre. <laughs> yeah, this is it's one of those that like feels like too crazy to be an actual story. But then you're like, things like this only happen in real life because if someone like I was thinking, I was like, if someone wrote a novel that like followed this, I feel like all of us would be like, that's so unrealistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Truth is stranger than fiction with this one. For sure. All right. Um, so let's, um, before we get into our kind of our central discussion for this episode, we've got our first sponsor, um, which is us, Book Riot, and their recommended giveaway. Um, so in honor of the forthcoming season three of the recommended podcast, Book Riot is giving away 16 of the books that have been that have been featured on the podcast. Um, if you haven't listened to it, to the podcast yet, um, basically it, they uh, they pick a couple of interesting people from the book world, usually authors, but uh, but other people as well talking about their favorite books. So it's really interesting. So you get to hear from a you just get to hear really cool people talk about bookish stuff. But then you get to hear these really cool people recommend their favorite books or the books that were really um, that were really special to them or that really shaped them. And so you get fantastic suggestions. Um, the list of the books that, that Book Riot is giving away uh, includes books written by and recommended by some of the guests um there is a there there's a full uh prize list that you can that you can view but just to mention a couple of titles that they're going to be giving away um an american marriage by tayari jones sorcerer to the crown by zen cho florida by lauren groff um these are all these are all major book riot favorites um, so there's, there's a really fantastic list of books that they're going to be giving away. So this, um, so the, the, uh, entry period ends August 31st. So we've still got about a couple of weeks left. If you haven't entered yet, please, please do. And you can enter by going to bookriot.com slash recommended three. That's the number three. Um, and you can, you can, uh, enter, um, you can enter the giveaway there and see the full book list. And so, yeah, so make sure that you get, get your entries in by August 31st. And thanks again to Book Riot for sponsoring yet another fantastic giveaway. And speaking of podcasts, Recommended is one that I actually do listen to. So, <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a pretty great seal of approval if you've gotten onto my regular listening list. <laughs> no offense, my favorite murder. <laughs> I'm picturing like podcasts, like with like blurbs from like like endorsements for other people, and, R- and your Rinsey's just says, "I actually listened to this one." <laughs> well, anyone who knows me knows what an endorsement that is. All right, so <laughs> I don't think I need to say more than that. <laughs> it's not only that you listen to it, but you consistently listen to it. Exactly, that makes a huge difference. <laughs> All right, so um, our main topic for. This episode, we decided to do something a little different um, and a little bit more fun. We decided to read sort of like, are they called culinary mysteries? I just titled it that. I'm not even sure if that's the proper name. Yeah, pretty much. (laughs) These are basically like cozy mystery books that somehow are surrounded by like food and there are usually recipes included with the book themselves. Uh, Katie, you recommended doing this. Is there, uh, do you want to explain maybe why you wanted to do this one? Or- um, well, I came up, I don't, I don't remember how I came up with it. It was just one of those random thoughts that kind of popped into my head, but, um, 
I we were talking we had recently been talking about how you and I don't typically read cozy mysteries and I was just kind of thinking like how many sub sub genres there are for cozy mysteries because pretty much for cozy mysteries there's some there's some element of it whether it's around a particular profession or a hobby or an animal or there's some kind of unifying theme or frame or whatever you want to call it. Um, And so I was just kind of thinking about that because, I mean, we've gotten to the point where we're talking about, you know, organic soap and vegan soup mysteries, soup storm mysteries. And I I don't even know, like, like, they're really like coming up with some, some kind of out of the box uh, tie-ins here. Um, But then I was, I was thinking about how with all the culinary mysteries, one of, one of the big one of the big draws, at least for some of the readers like at my library, is that the books usually include multiple recipes because, you know, the authors are talking about all this fantastic food. So, of course, you're going to want to, you know, try and make it for yourself. And that seems to be a really big draw with these books. And it, in my mind, I was thinking like, well, that would be an interesting way to pick a book to read, not so much by the content of the book, but more like, okay, what recipes are in this one? So I suggested that we kind of take that that tactic for for this week, you know, um, I mean, however we want to pick the book is fine. But for me, I was going to pick it based on how easy the recipes were going to (laughs) be. Because I'm because a lot of these are going to be, I mean, some of them are going to like, there's like barbecue mysteries or something. So there might be like, you know, grilled meat or, you know, maybe if if you're reading an organic vegan soup book there, you'll have some soup recipes or whatever it might be. But a lot of these are, you know, there's going to be baking. And I'm not much of a baker. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to pick one with a recipe that's like, that's, that's easy enough for me to do where I'm not going to like burn the whole house down. I mean, that's a legitimate concern. So (laughs) (laughs) yeah, it was like my cooking exploits. I mean, I mean, I'm a, I'm a decent enough cook. I just don't bake that often. But like, I have accidentally set wax paper on fire. Ooh, yes. Which I no word to the wise. If you did not already know this, wax paper is incredibly flammable. Yeah, don't yeah don't put it near an open burner. Yeah, you don't. You're not supposed to actually put that in your like wax papers for when you're like freezing things. (laughs) Yeah, no, I did not put it in the oven. It just it happened to be kind of floating around on top of the stove, and I had an open burner and. I tried to move it and it caught and it caught fire and it just kind of went woof. I went, oh my god, that is very flammable. So, don't do that. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely don't do that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like for like you were saying, neither of us really read very many cozy mysteries. And like I was aware of like obviously cooking cozy mysteries or culinary cozy mysteries as a general idea, but I had no idea what I was in for <laughs> for these books. The first thing, so basically what I did, I did something relatively similar to you just because I didn't want to pick up a book where I also didn't like have time to make the thing. But also like I like cooking a lot and I also like baking a lot. So I it wasn't so much like skill level that I was worried about, but more like is this a thing I'm going to actually want to eat more <laughs> than anything else? So I tried to like look for something that had like recipes that sounded interesting. I And I don't know if – what all typical like of these what typical culinary mysteries are like but there are so many recipes in Mm -hmm. the book that i at least in the books books that i picked out because i tried to pick out a couple from like different authors to try to get a vibe for them the one that i have has like two dozen 
Whoa. It's, I'm, I was like, it might be overestimating that slightly, but it's, it's definitely more than like 15. Um, it's insane. And this book is only not even 300 pages long, including the recipes. So that just gives you, so I should probably just say, I read Apple Turner, Turnover Murder by Joanne Fluke. I know she is like a super popular culinary mystery writer. Um, she writes the Hannah Swenson mysteries. Um, and so all of hers obviously have like all of these recipes in them. And like I'll, I would say like I would make almost all of these recipes like there's the majority of them are uh, baking related because the main character owns like a cafe back bakery. So a lot of them are stuff that like she's making for the bakery or she's like testing out recipes to sell at the bakery or something along those lines. So a lot of it is baking related, but I was like very surprised by how much, how many recipes there are and also like how good all of the recipes are. Some of them are super basic. Um, So like one of them is called Imperial Cereal and it's about like taking your favorite cereal and pouring I think it's like orange juice concentrate and something else on top of it. And then it just and then you add like cranberries and it's like a weird trail mixy type of thing. And I was like, okay, that seems like very 1970s. First of all, (laughs) I I really wish you could see the expression on my face right now. (laughs) I'm like, what is that? I know. Like I was legitimately like reading this and I was like. What is going on? Okay, so I'm just I'm just going to start on my rant in general. <laughs> but like this book feels like it was written in like the 50s or maybe the 80s. Like there was a point where I actually turned to the front and I was like, what year was this published? And it was published in 2010. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on. There were so many elements like that. This book is also set in Minnesota. And, and I like looked at the author photo and not to be like super judgmental, but she's like a slightly older woman. Um And, like, there's, like, so many elements in here where, like, one of the recipes in here or two of the recipes, there's this thing called, like, vanilla crack and chocolate crack. And when they were talking about the recipes, like, within the plot of the story, multiple times characters in there were, like, what is it called? Like, completely shocked. And they're, like, do you know what crack is? (laughs) Like. And I was, like, what is happening right now? Like, why are people, like, first of all, calling, like. I don't know if it's just like me being someone who eats a lot of food and goes out and eats a lot of food, but calling something like vanilla crack or chocolate crack and being at a bakery, like I feel like I know that I'm not actually getting crack. Like I'm not. See, it's like, I don't know what, I can't put my finger on it, but something tells me. It was like so weird to me. And I was like, if someone told me like, even if I have like, if I have no idea what chocolate crack is. I at least have, like, the sense to know that they're not talking about drugs. So, I mean, it was, like, weird things like that kept happening in the book where, like, outside of the fact that at one point one of the characters uses a cell phone, like, this 100% could have taken place in any decade (laughs) because there's, like, nothing about this. And that's probably a thing that people like about the stories. Like, there probably is, like, this comfort factor in this sort of, like, I don't know, um, old timey American feeling to it um, that people probably turn to these books for. But for me, it just felt like such a weird experience where I kept being like, I can't believe that this was published within the past decade because it feels like such an old style mystery. And again, I know not all cozy mysteries are like that either, though, because I've read some cozy mysteries and like 
they still have like a sense of like being within whatever time period it's supposed to be in. Um, but yeah, that is the first part of my rant regarding this book. So what's the second part? The second part is that the plot is terrible. Um <laughs> Like the problem with this book, the problem, the reason why I would never pick these up outside of wanting the recipes is because, like I said, it's less than 300 pages. And there's, again, like two dozen recipes. And so if you imagine that each recipe it takes up at least two pages, you're losing like a good 50 to 100 pages just to that. And then before they list the recipe, she actually has the character go through the recipe step by step. Like Hannah then took the flour and measured it, put it into the measuring cup and like poured it into the bowl. And then she beat two eggs in. And I was like, that's what the literal recipe is for. Like you shouldn't be putting that. So there's like no mystery or not no mystery. The mystery itself or the murder that happens in this book doesn't happen till like a hundred or so pages in. And then even then it feels like such a minor thing that I was just like what is I was so confused like it's the mystery takes up maybe 20 pages of the book like it's so it's so weird to me because I was but I will say that I went on Goodreads and it turns and like I think a lot of people who um like this series was also were also really disappointed by this book um I think that something happened like there's also a love triangle in here which drove me insane because like the main character is like dating this one guy i don't remember what the guy's names are but there's like one guy who she's dating who she's been dating for over a year who like proposed to her last year and she said no because she didn't want to get married and so they're still dating but then she's also kind of dating someone else like she'll randomly go on dates with this other guy who's like a police officer in town and i'm just like i don't understand your relationship because they all kind of know that this is happening but they also none of them acknowledge that this is a thing that is happening and i was like i don't understand what anyone's relationship is with each other like i have no judgment over people who are like in more casual relationships and whatnot but the way that it's written it's so unclear of like who's supposed to be in love with who and whatnot and it's it's just so weird it's so weird it doesn't make sense to me so yes i went on goodreads and i checked and apparently a lot of people got really frustrated with this one so it's very possible that other books in the series are okay because i just picked one out at random so maybe if i started with like the first one or something earlier in the series i would have had a different reaction to it uh but yeah i could i did not like this book i'm sorry (laughs) Well, before I get into thoughts about my book, I've got thoughts on your book now. Um, <laughs> without even having, having read it, I have thoughts. First of all, you fell prey to what what I what happened to me a few years ago, which I think I talked about when I picked up a Sue Grafton novel to read at random, and I picked K is for Killer because my name is Katie, and I thought, well, this is a fine place to to begin. Um, and I picked like the one book in the series that everyone hated. Because they don't act like the bad guy gets away at the end. I mean, sorry, spoilers, but you probably don't want to read that one anyway. Um, like the rest of it was really good. Like I was really into it. And then like when nothing was resolved at the end, I'm like, are you kidding me? Like people who people who had been librarians for years longer than I had said that they remembered when that book came out because their regular patrons came to the desk and said, my book is missing pages. Go to the, you need to buy a new copy of this. And they're like, no, 
that's actually how the book ends. And they refuse to believe it. They're like, she wouldn't end a book that way. And they're like, well, she just did. So um, so I'm sorry that you fell prey to that, picking the one book out of a long-running series that everyone did not like. Don't, um, don't, I was like, don't, maybe don't pick up these mystery books based on which recipe you want to make. So <laughs> maybe look them up a little bit first. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe do a little, per, little preliminary research. Also, it sounds like, and this was just kind of a thought that I had um, that was for formulating in my head especially as like i like they there are new culinary mystery series that are coming out every you know every year it seems like they're still doing these so and it's hard to i'm trying to think like it feels like they like the authors and the publishers have to keep coming up with new things to sort of set these books apart whether it's a character trait and I will get into the 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 character trait in my book in just a minute um but so like they're either kind of stretching on that or they're like kind of phoning in the book because they're just really kind of like writing it for the recipes um which I mean I suppose that they have longtime loyal readers and if they've stuck with them through 20 books then you know maybe you know they'll probably like yeah they'll stick around for another 10 books because you know they're invested at this point maybe they maybe they really like it cuz I know one of the big appeals of cozy mysteries in general and especially mystery long-running mystery series is being able to kind of pick up with these characters that feel like friends. So I'm sure for someone who's read, like, the, you know, has kept up with the, is it Hannah Swenson? Was that the character's name? Yeah, Hannah Swenson, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Someone who's, you know, read all however many books in the series, like, they know the ins and outs of their kind of goofy like acknowledge but not really acknowledge love triangle thing and so they you know they know you know what's going on with that um and like uh we have we have a patron at our library that loves cozy mysteries and she uh when we do our summer reading program and don't worry i won't go on another rant about the summer reading program (laughs) it's okay no one else got to hear your rant so i mean that was just uh me my own personal (laughs) that's true that's true that was after we stopped recording um, but a lot of the raffle entries that she entered for the summer reading program were these cozy mysteries. And, um, there's a space for people, um, where they can tell us what they liked about the book or what they thought about it. And it's always really interesting to see what people choose to talk about, like what aspects of it really stuck with them. And for her, it wasn't so it wasn't about the mystery that needed to be solved. It was about the character and her ongoing relationships with these recurring secondary characters. And like, oh, we see how this relationship progressed. And oh, and we see that she's still struggling with this issue. And so for her, it was really about, you know, the characters. Um, and, you know, kind of, it's kind of like checking in on an old friend and seeing what they're up to. So it's, so, you know, it's like, I understand, like, I understand that. It's not what I read, you know. I mean, I've talked about this before. I'm not a huge series reader. Um, I mean, it's it's really got to hold my attention. And for me, if it's going to hold my attention, it's got to be pretty dark and gritty. So <laughs> cozy mysteries are not going to be up my alley. Um, but I, I do understand why, you know, why these have appeal. And they are, you know, they are very much comfort reads. So for my book... Um, <laughs> I, yeah, like I said, I'm not much of a, a baker. 
Um, so I was, I was like, okay, let me think about how I want to do this. And then I had a, like a brainwave late at night as I'm trying to fall asleep. And I said, wait a minute, there's a billion and one different kinds of cozy mysteries. I'll bet you anything. There's a cozy mystery series that's set in a bar and lo and behold, there, there's at least one. And we had the series at my library. So I grabbed that and yep, sure enough, there's like seven or eight different, wait, hang on. I've got the book here. Three seven, eight. There's eight different recipes for alcoholic beverages at the back of the book. So that's what I did. And I'm, and I'm like, is this cheating? And I went, no, I came up with this idea. I can, finding a loophole in my own idea is not cheating. Um, so I, I made two drinks from here because I was feeling ambitious. Uh, I, <laughs> Uh, you know, before I get to the book, I do want to talk about the drink recipes in here because they are pretty simple, which is nice. And it's not like sometimes you like, like you get these really fancy like cocktail recipe books and it's like, I don't even know how to pronounce half this stuff. Like this is like, um, like there's kind of like a Long Island, well, no, that's not really a Long Island iced tea. It's called a Milwaukee River iced tea because the book takes place in Milwaukee. Um, and it calls for vodka, gin, tequila, white rum, triple sec, lemon juice, and beer. And Holy like, cow. I know. I'm like, well, I'm like, well, you had me until beer. I'm not a beer drinker. Um, so, but yeah, they, they had, but these are all very easy to find. And if you're close enough to a liquor store, you can get those little travel size bottles, like those airline bottles, which is mm. what I did. Um, and she, what's also nice is that even if you are not a drinker, she includes non-alcoholic versions of the same drinks as well. So you can so you can partake in those. But yeah, the two that I did, I did Summer Lightning Lemonade, which was um, raspberry vodka, but you can do any kind of berry-flavored vodka. Gin, white rum, triple sec tequila, lemon juice, and lemon-lime soda. So I just used Sprite. Um, and basically you put it in a shaker with ice, shake it. Pour it into a glass, top it off with top it off with the sprite, and that was delicious. Um, I highly recommend that one. Um, I do also recommend drinking it slowly because <laughs> it's one of those drinks. It's very well blended. You can't taste the different alcohols in there, but there's about two and a half shots worth in there. So, word to the wise: drink. Don't gulp that one down. Um, and then this evening, the one that I made right before, right before we started podcasting, where I'm like, oh, God, I'm tired. This one was called the Bootlegger and does not have an acceptable non-alcoholic version of the drink. This was bourbon, tequila, and Southern Comfort. Yes, I'm into and, it. And nothing else. Holy bananas, was that strong. <laughs> I And I can, I mean, I'm, <laughs> to get into my drinking preferences, I don't do... <laughs> I don't do a ton of straight alcohol. I tend to, I like, if I do, it tends to be whiskey. So I'm like, okay, you know, I can, I can do some of that. But that, that was like eye bulging, like, holy crap. So, um, Blaine had made himself a drink. He made himself a, a Jack and Coke, I think. So I stole some of his Coke to top that off. Cause I'm like, I can't drink that whole thing. I'm going to die. Um, <laughs> So, um, and then the, there's some other there other ones in here. Like, they have an apple teeny, an Irish coffee. Um, the main character's name is Mac. And so they have a drink called the Mac Teeny, which has espresso and Kahlua in it. And I'm like, ah, I can't do espresso. Um, 
they but yeah so the, so those in terms of the recipes like i may find the other books and just like check them out for the recipes <laughs> cuz the, they were very tasty and extremely easy to make um so i give i give the thumbs up to the drink recipes yeah i should say that for my book i also give <clears throat> i mean i didn't actually make any of them but if you are someone who does christmas cookie exchanges these books would be amazing for those cuz not only do they give you so many different recipes a lot of these are recipes like cookie recipes or like bar recipes or whatever um and they give you an like a pretty large quantity that is made from the recipe so like there was literally one in here where it's like this makes 12 dozen cookies and i'm like in what world does anyone need 12 dozen cookies unless you actually are a professional baker (laughs) but anyways um so if you ever do like those types of exchanges then these books would be amazing and like honestly there is not is, but there are a handful of uh, recipes in here that I did want to try. Like they have like a mocha cookie in here that sounds really good. Um, and then they, it's called Apple Turnover Murders. And they actually do have an apple turnover recipe. And I kind of wanted to like, before I return it, I was going to like photocopy it um, at the library so I could have it for the fall when apples are in season because I do like apple stuff. So I and I've never made an apple turnover before. So I feel like that would be a fun one. So honestly, I would I'm the person who would probably just go and flip through these at the library and find the most interesting recipes and then just make copies of them and bring that home. So, <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. With my book. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I knew right away starting that these cozy mysteries tend, they follow a, you know, there's a formula and, you know, and there's a feel to the book. So I knew exactly kind of what was going, what it was going to feel like um, where the attention was on like creating like, quirky yet lovable characters and less about the you know the actual plot of the story um and which for me I you know if if I'm reading a mystery I like you know I like it to feel realistic and I like all the details of the police procedure police procedurals and so the police officer in this one who's investigating the the murder of a woman who found behind the main character's bar he's like the way he's going about this I'm like you're more interested in flirting with the main character or you know not flirting you know what's going on there um but I'm like dude you got a job to do (laughs) come on now he's just kind of like and just just kind of like just going through kind of not even going through the motions like I, like I'm like are you even doing half of the things that you're supposed to like is this really how you interrogate a suspect like come on now ton of French would not put up with this <laughs> but again this is not a ton of French novel um but so so and I I didn't end up uh reading it all the way through I did the same thing that you did Rincy I kind of skimmed it I flipped to the back to find out who done it um and I my this is this book was written I think the first it's the first book in the series the first the book is actually called Murder on the Rocks by Allison K Abbott if I didn't mention that already <laughs> I was too busy talking about the drink recipes um but um it's I think it was published in like 2013 so it's a newer series um and I'm just kind of flipping through it and I don't know I it's hard to, it's hard to say without reading it cover to cover. Um I'm wondering how much fair play there is in this mystery like, you know, like how much of this is you know the character or the detectives like, you know, kind of piecing this information together and how much of it is them just kind of like coincidentally stumbling on 
uh, stumbling on these, you know, these incidents and they happen to see, you know, the actual murderer tussling with someone or whatever, whatever the case may be. Um, so I'm, I'm not, I'm not entirely, I'm not, I don't, I don't know how the entire plot holds up. Um, one of the, one of the, the last thing I want to mention, because I said, you know, a lot of the, since there's so many of these series, there has to be a way for it to stand, for the characters of the story to stand out. And the main character in this one, Mac, her big thing is that she has synesthesia, um, which is, I mean, I, I don't, I don't have the exact psychological definition, but basically it's kind of like neurons in the brain are getting crossed. So like where you can like, you can see, you can see sounds or like you, or, or you can like taste, um, you can taste a sound or, um, you can like your, your senses kind of, kind of get crossed together. And so, you know, certain words might appear, might, you might see like certain colors when someone says a word or you think of a word in your head. Um, and there, so it's like these different sensory, things that are kind of getting crossed. And so you're, you know, you have these weird sensory interactions as you kind of go through the world, um, which, you know, which I know is absolutely a real thing. And I think a lot of people, you know, I, I think that there's, there, from what I, from people I've talked to, people may have like certain small elements of it. Some may have, uh, may have this stronger uh, synesthesia than others. Um, the main character in this one, she her her condition is very strong, um, and it's almost like she picks up on subconscious or uh, clues or subconscious triggers in her environment that you know trigger these these reactions that she doesn't automatically know why. Um, which, which I was like, okay, that's kind of interesting. But I was also like, as I was reading through it, I was like, this seems like a kind of a convenient way for her to suddenly like stumble across this information because her synesthesia made her, you know, she heard the same sound when she was like, she, she sensed a sound when she saw the dead body. And then she sensed that same sound when she was talking to one of her regular customers. So therefore she knew that the, that the customer was somehow related to the murder, like maybe not the actual murderer, but they were somehow involved. And I was like, yeah, the world doesn't work like that. So I, I was, I guess for me, I was having a little bit of a hard time suspending disbelief um, with this series. But again, I, I do acknowledge that a lot of that is down to personal tastes. Um, so, so yeah, for this one, I, I was in the same boat. I was like, I'm not crazy about the plot, but I do really enjoy the recipes, and I'm gonna stock up on more travel size bottles from, <laughs> from Benny's Beverage Depot and. <laughs> kind of just stockpile those and try out new drinks for the next couple of weeks i mean honestly yeah that sounds like a fantastic way to finish off your summer so (laughs) all right i think that's everything for this part yeah i'm i'm done (laughs) yeah i'm basically done too basically these are just not necessarily for us except for very specific recipes that we want so i mean no honestly like if you're someone who reads specifically culinary mysteries and there's like a series or a specific book that you think we should we should check out um within this subgenre that you think is like really well done then definitely let us know because we would always love to hear about that stuff um because you know obviously katie and i have specific preferences when it comes to mysteries it doesn't mean that like we know everything about the subgenre so definitely hit us up and email us or tweet at us um with your suggestions 
All right. Um, so our next sponsor for the episode is Book Riot Insiders. Uh, Book Riot Insiders is this really great uh, subscription-based service that we have here at Book Riot. You can sign up for monthly or yearly novel subscriptions, and right now the first 14 days are free. Um, there are a lot of really great features that you get with Book Riot Insiders, including exclusive podcasts and newsletters. Um, there are giveaways, and you can win like swag from the Book Riot store. Um, you get access to the new releases index, which I feel like we've talked about a bunch, but it's because it's so amazing. It's this page where um, all the books host Liberty Hardy sort of curates the books that are coming out in the upcoming weeks. And it's really nice because you can sort it by like genre. Um, it's organized by date. And then you can also like wish list the books that you're interested in or like save them to your own list. So that way what happens is like as the dates pass, like it only has like the most recent upcoming day in the new releases index. But if you save the books, then you can save them after the date, after they've already come out. Um, so highly recommend checking out Book Riot Insiders if you haven't already. And if you head to the website, you can also see a preview of like the new releases index and things like that. So you can kind of see what we're talking about there. But I love that thing so, so much. And I highly recommend I feel like signing up just for that. Um, so if you are interested in signing up, you can head to bookriot.com slash insiders to find out more information. Otherwise, there will be a link to the website in our show notes. So yes, if you haven't checked out Book Riot Insiders already, you definitely should. Agreed. All right. So I've got the new releases for this week. And um, this is actually a true crime heavy... Uh, release period for these next couple of weeks so if you're a true crime fan buckle in i've got some interesting ones uh for you guys for you guys to take a look at so the first one up on the list is the kill jar obsession descent and a hunt for detroit's most notorious serial killer by j reuben appleman um this book came out already on this last tuesday so it is available to uh to purchase before I get into the description, I will give a trigger warning uh, because this book uh, does talk extensively about child violence and child pornography. So, as so, uh, fair warning to everyone. Um, but in the mid '70s, uh, winters of 1976 and 1977, four children were abducted and murdered outside of Detroit. Um, the bodies were left in the snow around the city. Um, and the author was six years old at the time that the murders began, um, and he and he had evaded an abduction attempt during that same period. And then as he grew older, this fueled a lifelong obsession with what became known as the Oakland County child killings. The autopsies showed that the victims had been fed while they were in captivity, reportedly held with care. And yet, um, and yet, with equal care, their bodies had been scrubbed free of evidence that might link to a particular killer. There, there were very few credible leads, equally few credible suspects, um, and that's basically what the cops had told the press. That's what everyone in the city and what the author had come to believe. And when the when the abductions mysteriously stopped, a task force operating on one of the largest manhunt budgets in history shut down without an arrest. Although no more m murders occurred, Detroit and its environs remained haunted. The killer had presumably not been caught. 
Eerily overlaid upon the author's own decades-old history with violence, The Kill Jar tells the gripping story of the author's 10-year investigation into buried leads, apparent police cover-ups of evidence, con men, child pornography rings, and high-level corruption saturating Detroit's most notorious serial killer case. Um, So just from reading the description, this sounds like this would be a cross between um, the uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark and... uh, Black Dahlia Red Rose um, by Pew Eatwell that we talked about last year where she uncovers like a lot of this information about hidden corruption that that in the police force and in the city that might have let a, let a really horrible killer go free. Um, so this sounds really interesting, also really intense and quite disturbing. Um, but again, the name of that book is The Kill Jar by J. Reuben Appleman, and that is already out uh, for purchase. And next up in the uh, true on the, this true crime list here, we have Sons of Cain: A History of Serial Killers from the Stone Age to the Pre- to the Present by Peter Vronsky. That's V R O N S K Y. This book is also um, already available for purchase. Um, he has written a previous book called Serial Killers: The Method and Madness of Monsters. Um, and, but this new book is an in-depth examination of sexual serial killers throughout human history, how they evolved, and why we are drawn to their horrifying crimes. And, but the term serial killer was coined in 1981, um, and before that there, there were only monsters. Killers society first understood as werewolves, vampires, ghouls, and witches, or later, Hitchcockian psychos. In Sons of Cain, a book that fills the gap between dry academic studies and sensationalized true crime, investigative historian Peter Vronsky examines our understanding of serial killing from its prehistoric anthropological evolutionary dimensions in the pre-civilization era, so we're talking like 15,000 BC kind of, kind of time frame, to today. So that's a lot of history. Um, Delving further back into human history and deeper into the human psyche than his first book, um, which has been called The Definitive History of Serial Murder, uh, Vronsky focuses strictly on what he on what is called what are known as sexual serial killers, uh, thrill killers who engage in murder, rape, torture, cannibalism, and necrophilia, as opposed to for-profit serial killers such as hitmen, assassins, terrorists, that 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 type of killer. Um, they are, these types of killers are different from all other serial killers in their motives and their foundations. They are uniquely human and, as popular culture has demonstrated, uniquely fascinating. So, again, this is, this is another book that's, I mean, for, for true crime people, like, I mean, I picked this book because I'm like, yeah, I'd read that. But the, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot going, going into this basically comprehensive history of the serial killer as we come to think of it. Um, so again, the book is Sons of Cain, A History of Serial Killers from the Stone Age to the Present by Peter Vronsky, which is, um, which is out in stores now. Also, real quickly, I now really want a, like, a prehistoric serial killer murder mystery novel. Oh my gosh, that's a brilliant idea. I love that. This needs to happen. This needs to happen. I'm not going to be writing it. Any authors out there, there's your next book idea. We will read it. <laughs> um, and then uh, to, to continue the, the true crime theme, we have Scarface and the Untouchable, Al Capone, Elliot Ness, and the Battle for Chicago by Max Allen Collins and A. Brad Schwartz. This book is also available for purchase. Um, 
And if you couldn't tell by the title, this talks about uh, the Chicago gangsters and Al Capone, uh, who ruled both Chicago's underworld and its corrupt government. Um, And to a public who scorned prohibition, Scarface became a local hero and national celebrity. But after the brutal St. Valentine's Day massacre transformed Capone into public enemy number one, the federal government found an unlikely new hero in a 27-year-old prohibition agent named Elliot Ness. Chosen to head the legendary law enforcement team known as the Untouchables, Ness set his sights on crippling Capone's criminal empire. Today, no underworld figure is more iconic than Al Capone, and no lawman is as renowned as Elliot Ness. Yet in 2016, the Tribune wrote, Al Capone still awaits the biographer who can fully untangle and balance the complexities of his life, while revisionist historians have continued to misrepresent Ness and his remarkable career. So, that, so the obvious implication is that this book is here to solve those problems. Um, so the, uh, this, uh, the writing duo of Max Allen Collins and A. Brad Schwartz, uh, they, combine, uh, they combine the narrative skill of a master novelist with the scholarly rigor of a trained historian. And uh, this book uh, draws upon decades of primary source research on... Capone and the Untouchables and Elliot Ness in Chicago history, including the personal papers of Ness and his associates, newly released federal files, and long-forgotten crime magazines containing interviews with the gangsters and G-men themselves, which is so fascinating that these guys would give an interview to a magazine. Okay, anyway... (laughs) Um, Collins and Schwartz have recaptured a bygone bullet-ridden era while uncovering the previously unrealed, unrevealed truth behind Scarface's downfall. Together, they have crafted the definitive work on Capone, Ness, and the battle for Chicago. So again, that is Scarface and the Untouchable by Max Allen Collins and A. Brad Schwartz. Um, I had to pick that since we are recording out of the, uh, out, out of the Chicago suburb, so we've got to have a little local color there. And then finally, uh, we have City of Ink by Elsa Hart. Um, This is the third book in the Lee Du series. Um, This comes out Tuesday, August 21st. This is our one fiction title on the new releases this episode. Um, And so it follows main character Lee Du, who is prepared to travel anywhere in the world except for one place, home. But to unravel the mystery that surrounds his mentor's execution, that's exactly where he must go. Plunged into the painful memories and teeming streets of Beijing, Li Du obtains a humble clerkship that offers anonymity and access to the records he needs. He is beginning to make progress when his search for answers buried in the past is interrupted by murder in the present. The wife of a local factory owner is found dead, along with a man who appears to have been her lover, and the most likely suspect is the husband. But what Lee Du's superiors at the North Borough office are willing to accept as a crime of passion strikes Lee as something uh, strikes Lee Du as something more calculated. As past and present intertwine, his investigations reveal that many of Beijing's residents, foreign and Chinese, artisan and official, scholar and soldier, have secrets they would kill to protect. When the threats begin, Lee Du must decide how much he is willing to sacrifice to discover the truth in a city bent on concealing it, a city where the stroke of a brush on paper can alter the past, change the future, prolong a life, or end one. Um, so again, this book, City of Ink by Elsa Hart, is the third book in the series. I I know of the first book in the series, which, and of course, the title is escaping me right now. Um, I don't know if you have to read these in order. Um, so... Um, so if you have read the series, you know, let us know if that if 
order reading is something that we should be aware of. Um, but otherwise, uh, City of Ink by Elsa Hart, that is coming out, like I said, Tuesday, August 21st. That last one sounds super interesting. I've never heard of that series before, but I'm going to look it up after we're done recording. Yeah, like I said, I reckon I know I know of the title of the first book and like I can recognize the cover of it, but I don't know much about it. Yeah. All right. Um, so to wrap things up, we have um, our currently reading section. Um, I have not read any mysteries besides uh, the Apple Turnover Murders, which I barely even skimmed uh so i have nothing in terms of like new things to report on but i have started follow her home by steph cha this is a debut mystery that came out um maybe like five years ago i want to say now it's been a little while but it recently got on my radar because i think megan abbott talked about her once or something along those lines or like recommended her in some interview i was reading so i was like oh that sounds interesting So this is sort of like an L.A. noir-ish type of story. You're following this character named Juniper Song, who I've just started this, so I am legitimately right at the beginning of the story unfolding. Um, She's someone who actually really loves noir stories. So she's read basically every uh, Philip Marlowe um, story. And so she has like this sort of noir sense in her head. And so her friend Luke asks her to look into whether or not his father is having an affair with one of his employees. Um, And so they're like at a party at Luke's apartment and the employee is there because the employee is around their age. And so she ends up driving, sorry, Juniper ends up driving the employee home after the party um, because she's extremely intoxicated, but also to like get some information out of her, things like that. So um, she gets her home and then when she leaves the apartment uh she notices that there's like a black bmw with completely tinted windows parked on the street and so she just kind of finds that to be a little bit suspicious so she like walks over to the car and like tries to see if she can like see inside the car and while she's like sort of peering into the car someone like hits her in the back of the head so she passes out and then she wakes up the next morning on a park bench and so um At the point that I'm at in the story, like she's just like basically woken up and is trying to figure out what exactly is going on, because obviously this isn't a simple affair type situation, because even if like the father was having an affair, like why would someone beat her and then also like and then like not do anything either? Like it's not like she ended up severely injured or anything outside of like getting hit in the head or knocked out. Um so it's like this weird situation. So it seems really interesting. I'm enjoying it so far. Um, it definitely has some like debutness to the writing, but it's definitely intrigued me enough to want to keep going. I'm definitely, and I like the fact that like this is features someone who also is a fan of noir stories because like in the uh, beginning of the book, while she's doing the investigating, she keeps like comparing herself to various um like Raymond Chandler characters and things like that and being like in this situation like this character or like in these books that these characters always have to deal with this specific type of situation or something along those lines or they even do the comparison of like when she woke up the next morning she was like checking to see if like her clothes were on and if there was any sort of signs of like rape or anything like that and she was thinking about how like all of these male noir detectives don't have to think about things like that um so yeah, I, I've just started it. Like I said, I'm maybe like a little over 50 pages into it, uh, but I will definitely report back in the next episode with how I felt about it. But so far, I'm enjoying it. 
Yeah, I had I I realized when I was looking at my Goodreads list earlier. I think I have that that book on my list as well. Um, for me, I realized that I had forgotten to mention a book that I had started um, during our last episode, um, but I have finished it, and it was actually a reread for me. It was called Birdman by Mo Hader. And this was this is uh, Mo Hader. Um, she is a British novelist. She writes the Jack Caffrey series, and she has a couple of standalones as well. Um, this was her debut novel from like early two thousands, I think. Before I get into the plot, and I'm only going to give a very brief synopsis of it, this book has all of the trigger warnings. Every trigger warning you can think of, it probably comes up in this book. Holy banana pants. Like, I have read, I read, like I said, this was a reread, or I read it before I listened to it on audio now, and I knew it was disturbing. I forgot exactly how disturbing. Like, it was disturbing for me. That's saying something. Like, I'm listening to this, like, and, like, when I was talking previously about that book about the history of sexual serial killers and, like, all of those terms that came up to describe them, like, pretty much all of those terms apply to this book. It, like... If you if uh, violence against women like don't don't even think about reading this book <laughs> just just don't it is a I mean it's a police procedural um, it's psychological suspense mixed with police procedural it is reminiscent of a ton of French novel in a lot of ways um, but this one is pretty like who boy um, basically a bunch of uh, a bunch of and by a bunch, I think there are like five women that were are found in a um, construction site. They have been murdered. They've been mutilated. They um, they found out that they, that all five of them worked um, worked as prostitutes. Um, and then the police kind of slowly uncover what you know what what their connections are. Um, to each other, to whoever is doing the killing. Um, and then in between, you also get a lot of the backstory of Jack Caffrey, who's the lead investigator, and his very dysfunctional relationship. And his um, he had a brother that disappeared um, when they were very young and but and never turned up, although everyone presumes that he's dead. Um, there's, just, there's just so much dark stuff going on in here. It's, I mean... The mystery, it's it's well written. The mystery is well done. There's it's got surprises in there, but seriously, all the trigger warnings, because yowza. Um, so of course I after I finished that one, I started the second book in the series. So I'm about, I don't know, maybe a third of the way through that. I'm gonna see how that one goes, because again, all the trigger warnings. And there's there's just some stuff that's coming up that I'm like, I don't know if I can listen to this. So we're I'm going to play that one by ear. Um, the second book in the in the series is called The Treatment. Because, um, like, I, I'm interested in finding out how the crime un, how the crime unfolds. There's just stuff going on in between there that I'm like, oh, this is really difficult to listen to. Um, so, um, so that's kind of what I have been listening to. And then in terms of what I'm starting, I'm not entirely sure. Um, one, there's been a book that's, um, that I, I know we've talked about previously on this, um, on this show in a, in a new releases that's been sitting on our new mystery shelf and no one's checked it out yet. Um, The Perfect Nanny by Leila Slimani, um, which is basically, um, 
kind of a it sounds like it's kind of like a, a hand that uh, the hand that rocks the cradle type of scenario. Uh, busy family, uh, go getting mother who is you know she's very committed to her career. They they bring in a nanny to help them kind of take care of the house, take care of their small child, and then they the married couple and the nanny kind of start to depend on each other in really dysfunctional ways and and then big cracks start to emerge in the family uh in their family life and i i love a really really good psychological family drama so that might be one that i might rescue that one from since it's been sitting there staring at me for the last couple of weeks and be like oh no one's checked it out in a while it's okay come here i'll give you a good home that's the excuse i give when i come home with a bunch of books and blaine's like why did you bring home all of these books i'm like they needed a good home I should use that sometime. I had my, some friends over, I think it was like the previous weekend, and they were like sitting in my room and they were like looking because I had like a stack of my library books that I have checked out currently next to all of my also unread books that I own. And they're like, why do you check out so many books from the library when you already have so many unread books? And I'm like, I don't understand why you're asking me this question. Yeah, yeah. it's like, don't don't worry about it. These aren't your books. I know. Just don't was, worry about it. I was like, there's nothing, there's, it's not like I'm committing a crime here, guys. I'm allowed to, I'm allowed to do this. Yeah. Everyone take a chill pill. All right. So that's the show. Uh, Thanks so much to everyone for listening. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. We will have links to all of the news stories we talked about at the top of the show, as well as links to all of the books that we have mentioned in the episode. If you enjoyed the podcast, definitely leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts so that way other people can find us and can come join this fun little mystery community that we have here. Um, If you want to email us with episode suggestions or with I don't know, better culinary mystery suggestions or anything along those lines, you can email us at redordead at bookriot.com. That's R-E-A-D or dead at bookriot.com. Um, otherwise, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram. I am at Rincy A. And I am on Twitter at KT underscore library lady. And we'll talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye.